バカみたい子供なのね夢を追って傷ついて嘘が下手なくせに笑えない笑顔を見せた I love you もろくに言わない口下手でほんまに不器用なのになのにどうしてさよならは言えたのダメだねダメよダメなのよあんたが好きで好きすぎてどれだけ強いお酒でも歪まない思い出がバカみたい Why hello there Welcome to the seventh episode of Tengri Dome I'm your host Iggy Finally coming back after a really prolonged hiatus that,、uh, that I didn't really plan on taking and,、uh, and I'm sure you have a Uh, plenty of questions as to why、uh, was the hiatus necessary, what happened during、uh, the, the past couple of months, and has he still got it? Is Iggy still Iggy? Can he still do the things that made him Iggy in the first place? I honestly don't know. But I, one thing I know for sure is that Max Holloway is definitely, irrevocably, Undeniably still Max Holloway. And I think it's. I just think it's neat. Don't you agree? I mean, I think. I just think Max Holloway is neat. He's a cool fighter. Landing like 100,000 punches in a row on someone's face. And I, I, I just think it's neat. It's, it's cool. Because really, there was nothing really all that interesting happening after. Uh, after November, basically, and well, outside of that、uh, December event、uh, in Ryzen, but basically, there was nothing that I, I was feeling really burnt out, and、uh, nothing really interested me all that much anymore for a certain period of time. So, coming back to, coming back to MMA and having this as、uh, the first event, the first main event of the year,、uh, was, was just a, a bit of a nice surprise, you know. Well, there were other reasons for the, this、uh, break that I had to take,、uh, aside from me not having any interest in any of the fights that were happening past the Gage Habib fights. But、uh, I'm not going to bore you with the details. Maybe I'll record a bit of it like a bonus episode for the patrons to let them know what, what's, what's been happening, just because they, they, I consider most of them my friends. And maybe also consider. Uh, becoming a patron of the fight site in order so that I can consider you my friend as well. <laughs> Fucking smooth segue there. Fucking.、Uh, Adam Ragusier, eat your fucking heart out. Right, let's just get into it, shall we? Max Holloway versus, Max Holloway versus Calvin Cater. Fucking one of the most interesting fights in terms of hypotheticals. hypotheticals 
in a, in a really long time. Also expect me to mispronounce things and then pr try and pronounce them correctly after several attempts because I just... these uh, The past Angry Dome episodes used to take a, a really long time to edit because I was like needlessly perfectionist about, about what I was saying most of the time. So I would sit down and uh, edit out all the little, tiny, little like mispronunciations and uh, try and try and restructure my statements in a more coherent way, or at least in a way that I consider more coherent, and now I just sort of don't give a shit. <laughs> so, uh, don't take this as, uh, as uh, don't take it, don't take it as me saying that uh, there's going to be a noticeable dip, dip in quality or anything, it's just that uh, these podcasts are likely to become more and more uh, casual uh, as time goes on. Because to those who don't know, uh, English is not my, uh, it's not even my second language, it's a third language. And at this point I'm sort of done being stressed about it all the time. <laughs> Alright, enough tangents. Calvin Cater versus Max Holloway. A really, really, really interesting fight. One of the first interesting fights in a long while. One of the fights that interested me personally, at least, in a long while. Mostly because it presents a unique uh, sort of, like, analytical challenge. And uh, kind of... It could serve as a bit of a litmus test for how you think about fights for certain people. Because uh, even though the uh, performance uh, by Max Holloway in, in the end uh, proved to be like one of one of those uh, levels sort of things, uh, so people are now going to run around yelling that, oh, Max is just on another level, that's why he won another level, level, level. And I really, really don't like that. And that's part of the reason why I wanted Kelvin uh, Gator to have... Uh, Way more success than he ended up having, but uh, the performance ended up being neat. <laughs> I still enjoyed it a lot. I'm sure Sriram, uh, the uh, certified uh, Calvin Cater appreciator on our website, didn't. Uh, but uh, still, most of the things that uh, I tried predicting ended up happening in, certain, uh, in one fashion or another. The only thing that did not materialize is Calvin Cater actually coming in with some sort of a... I don't know, at least some kind of idea of how to approach uh, approach Max correctly. But uh, in the end, it's Max who came in with uh, certain tools that uh, guaranteed the win for him instead. Because when you think about these fights, you always think, uh, when you have a, an obviously really dominant uh, fighter and some kind of challenger that uh, presents a unique sort of like question or rather represents a unique hurdle to overcome in a certain uh in certain areas of the fight you kind of want you kind of have this uh that's where the real desire to see the challenger to do well comes from because uh like uh as my type of like I belong to the type of fight fan that likes seeing his favorite fighters tested so whenever they have a really dominant showing, uh, this may sound weird, but whenever my favorite fighters have a really, really dominant showing uh, without being asked uh, certain questions, I end, end up being somewhat bummed, <laughs> end up feeling somewhat bummed down by this. Because at the end of the day, uh, the reason Max won is that just Max has gone back to doing Max things. And he just came in with a couple adjustments that meant Kater's jabs, jab and his most of his tools were nullified, and the rest is just Kater letting Max do Max things by doing Kater things. 
I hope this makes makes sense. If if it doesn't, uh, I recommend you go back and uh, listen to our like uh, the pre-fight discussion panel, to our pre-fight discussion panel on the MMA podcast where we talk about all these things in depth. But uh, for a bit of a TL, uh, for a bit of a too long didn't listen. Uh, the main point was that Kato presented a unique pocket threat. He's sort of like, hypothetically, he he represents uh, one of those matchups that uh, seem to really, uh, really give Max uh, Holloway some pause. Namely, rangy uh, power strikers uh, who are like whose preferred ranges, uh, whose preferred preferred distance is the middle distance and trading in the pocket and all that. Fighters like Dustin Poirier, for example. The main thing is just uh, just that Calvin Cater doesn't use his tools and his attributes in the same way Dustin Poirier does. And that's what really ended up costing him the fight. Because really, the main consensus right now is that uh, uh, Max has some defensive deficiencies and he's uh, very offense-oriented, so he's, uh, he's much more likely to take an offensive opening at the cost of... Uh, uh, wading through the other person's offense to land his own offense rather than just uh, avoid the offense altogether and do some sort of like preemptive defensive movements and defensive maneuvers and then uh, attack. That's his thing. It's volume. So my main con- my main concern was that Calvin uh, Cater is going to look really good for large stretches of the fight because uh, Max is just going to give give him those openings by trying to by coming in like ramrod straight with his head barely moving from side to side with uh, almost no preemptive uh, defensive motions and that Cato is going to cross counter him to death well and that is until max gets tired of getting punched in the face and just uh, starts kicking or doing something of that nature to uh, to stymie Cato's offense and then he'll take over from there what Ended up happening is that uh, Kato was basically just uh, slapping on the earmuffs and running backwards in a straight line every time Max forced him back with strikes. The main danger here was that if uh, Kato planted his feet and stood his ground, and instead of just uh, covering up, he actually tried to like I don't know sleep, uh, slip some of the shots coming in and uh, re- retaliate with counters, and he did he did some of that. At certain uh, points in the fight, but uh, most of the time it was just him uh, conceding space for no real reason. And that was one of the things about Ringcraft between the two, that uh, both me and Sriram and Jolyang Lang, we all, basically everyone who had a, a kind of sort of good read on the fight predicted that Max uh, is going to win predominantly on his footwork and angles and uh, being just a, a more... being just a... Uh, a deeper ring general and kind of a deeper more diverse fighter in just uh, in most areas so i suppose you could there is some merit to saying that max is on another level as much as i loathe to admit it but the thing is that uh it's not just the levels like you, you, the thing about fighting is that you can be on another level quote unquote uh, with uh, with when compared to your opponent, but uh, your opponent uh, is going to have some kind of unique advantage over you in a single area. And sometimes that's going to be enough if he bases his uh, game plan around that advantage and milks it for, of, uh, for as much as he, milks it as much as he can. 
The problem is that Keita is not a game planner, or that his his camp is not really good at game planning to any like significant extent. Unlike, for example, Volkanovski's camp is City Kickboxing, and by uh, and by an extension, Volkanovski himself. Right. So let's zoom out a little and uh, frame it uh, in a certain way to make it more to to make it a bit more clear. Uh, you have Max. An incredibly diverse and deep striker, but who is nonetheless extremely offensively oriented with a bit of a, like with a relatively porous defense, and we saw him get pushed back uh, in a straight line with a, by a more powerful pocket striker in uh, in the face of uh, in Dustin Poirier, but he nonetheless managed to show certain uh, ability to adapt against Volkanovski in his second fight. But overall, he's still more of a tactician than a strategist. He doesn't really think about his opponents in terms of, oh, he's got such and such weaknesses. Oh, his uh, main strength is this, and I'm going to plan plan my fight around uh, around all these attributes in order to uh, either nullify his game or emphasize my own strengths. If anything, all his fights are meant to emphasize meant to like, like sort of brute force his way through his opponent's game uh, to bank on his own attributes that is incredible stamina incredible durability and incredible ability to pour on volume on the other hand you have calvin cater who's uh, who presents this unique pocket threat he's uh not a very comfortable matchup for max holloway on paper because of his because of his reach advantage because of his power edge and because of his incredible boxing mechanics. Now, in order to win, he has to base his game plan around those uh, particular attributes and those particular advantages. And in order to do that, when you look at the way Max fights, it seems relatively simple to draw him into an exchange, into a prolonged exchange, because that's his preferred style of fighting. That's his... uh, preferred area where he uh, preferred area of fighting that's where he shines and that's why he very obviously going to want to fight in that area so what do you do well you let max come to you and uh, draw him into an exchange plant and then counter and once you force him back dustin poirier who's not a really pressure fighter of any sort. He just basically ran after Max Holloway and was able to connect with uh, dozens of uh, power strikes uh, at a time. There are several main problems with this. Most of them have to do with how Calvin Cato operates in general and how and who he is as a fighter at this point. One of the main problems, the first key problem here, is that Calvin Cater has a tendency of conceding space for no real reason. He's uh, not very defensively deep. He has uh, some good looks with regards to his uh, preemptive defense, like he turns over his shoulder in order to prevent cross-counters from coming in with whenever he jabs. He sort of like has a bit of a preemptive head movement thing going on with his strikes. But if you push him backwards, he's just going to continue running in a straight line until he just in his back hits the fence. And if uh, he needs to pressure you or follow you, he's all just going to sort of like hop hop after you in a straight line instead of cutting off the cage or do anything clever with his feet, really. 
So basically, he's a, he has terrible ring craft, which in turn curtails his footwork to such an extent, which is, like, mechanically, it's it's fine. His stance is good, his, uh, his balance is all right, and so, the, hypothetically, like, uh, uh, purely on, based on his mechanics, he should be able to do all those things just fine. He's just kind of never drilled them or something. I just... It's really bizarre to me. Uh, I, I guess this is becoming a bit of a you know, what 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 went wrong for Calvin Cater in this fight, uh, to, in terms of like how this podcast is going to go. But uh, I guess that's also interesting in its own right. So bear with me here. Uh, I think it was uh, when when was it? Uh, let, let me look it up. Hang on. Yeah, I wrote uh, an article in September called uh, "The UFC's Meatpacking Plant." Part three. Uh, it's basically a, a sort of a, an assort, sort of a summation of my views on MMA, on how strategy strategy should work in MMA and how fighters should generally think about fighting in MMA in order to succeed. So think of it as uh, I don't know, the art of war. If uh, Sun Tzu was uh, Mongolian and lived in modern times. And instead of warfare, it was a treatise on uh, how to not get punched in the face over and over again for no real reason. I wanted to talk about this uh, way before, a long way back, a long while back, uh, uh, just uh, before I started uh, making like uh, fight breakdowns, because I have uh, because I like having a solid foundation upon which to base my uh, statements, uh, so in order to not. In order to not make a bunch of disorganized statements that uh, may end up contradicting each other because they operate, because they don't operate within the same framework, it's kind of like having solid fundamentals in fighting, where you you, you develop a system of your own style of thinking and fighting, etc., etc. Et well, it's like uh, having solid fundamentals in fighting, but instead of developing fighting techniques upon that foundation, you develop a system of thinking, and that's how I operate. So the three main points I, I've outlined uh, in that article is that uh, fighters uh, are encouraged in MMA, in, in the MMA meta, the fighters are encouraged to develop these really like uh, offense-based games. Like the offense is always put, uh, always goes first in the minds of most MMA fighters. So defense is just barely even an afterthought. And after offense, uh, uh, basically, they don't think about anything else, really. Like, when they think about it. Danny Martin wrote about this in his metagame series, and that uh, initiative is what really uh, is really the trump card in most MMA fights. If you have initiative, and if you seize initiative, and you start wailing on your guy, and the guy doesn't have any sort of answer, so doesn't have any defense to at least, like... Uh, save himself from some of your offense, uh, you, you, you've got the fight uh, in your back pocket. That is, unless you gas, of course. That's why comebacks are so rare in MMA, and that's why most comebacks is uh, just one fighter weathering the storm until the other fighter gasses out. And even then, you've absorbed so much punishment, it's uh, it becomes really unlikely for you to win by any any reasonable metric outside of a finish. 
And that's uh, that's what Max Max Holloway does. And that's what Calvin Cater used to do. If uh, a bit to if if to a, a bit of a less effective degree because uh, his he has the power edge, which means he's not really like pouring on continuous volume over and over again uh, on on top of your face, because he doesn't really need to. So yeah, the three main points: adjustments versus grind. Uh, by adjustments, I mean uh, looking at what uh, what what sort of tools your opponent has and what sort of strengths and weaknesses, and you kind of uh, tailor your game plan towards those. And grind is just trying to be the best you which is what a lot of MMA fighters talk about. Like, oh, I don't plan for specific opponents. I just um, just go in there and try to be the best me that I can possibly be. And this is what uh, Calvin Cater used to talk about. And uh, this is what Max Holloway does in practice. But he also adds a bit of a, like, he always comes in with certain, like, small, 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 like, tiny little adjustments. Like, for example, against Jose Aldo, he came in with a, a bit of a squarer stance with his... Uh, lead foot turned outwards in order to uh, dissuade leg kicking. You know, those ki- this kind of stuff. The second is ring craft, and ring craft is uh, basically uh, your way of answering the questions of where do you want the fight to go, why do you want the fight to go there, and how you're going to get there. The three points to ring craft. Again, where do you want the fight to go? That's a question of uh, either pressuring... That is pushing your opponent towards defense and cutting off his expa- escapes uh, by using cage cutting. And uh, and by cage cutting, I mean not just following your opponent around, actually just using footwork and angles to cut off their escape routes to keep the, with the, them with their back uh, flat against defense in order to, to stymie their offense. Offensive options and evasive options, etc. Uh, the second is uh, going on the back foot, drawing your opponent towards you, making him overextend, making them fall short uh, with their offense and then uh, come back in with strikes, uh, with counter-strikes or maybe even lead on the back foot. That's also a thing. Because if your opponent is uh, not really defensively potent and uh, not really good at pressuring, that means when they come forward, the only thing they're dictating is the pace at which uh, they're getting their ass kicked. Shout out Jack Slack. And the other is uh, standing in the center and uh, sort of like uh, being out in the open kickboxing. Something that Robert Whittaker excels at. And so the questions of uh, the question of why do you want the fight to go there is uh, just uh, the question of uh, where you're better. Or in some cases, where your opponent is worse. One is certainly much more preferable to another. Ideally, both should be true. Like, yeah, oh, I'm much better on the front foot and my opponent is terrible dealing with pressure, so I'm going to pressure him. It's really a cheat code in MMA, pressure, you know? <laughs> Mostly because the cage is so fucking large and that uh, whenever you pressure, you, you've got a ton, of, a ton of space behind you to fall back and uh, not get hit, so you don't have to really develop any sort of like complicated guard or head movement and all that. It just it's sort of should be... You can, uh, you can afford being somewhat defensively deficient in the pocket but uh, be sort of good at range and at coming uh, at and at uh, uh, eating up distance and coming in with strikes and then you sort of hop backwards that's why the karate thing uh, that's why the karate hop steps and uh, like uh, shotokan stuff and uh, point fighting stuff is so uh, like uh, is such a valid style in MMA 
But I digress. And how you're going to get there is obvious. It's just uh, what you. It's also a question of uh, what your style is and uh, what tools you have in your pocket, uh, in your tool set, your arsenal, other words for that mean having lots of tools, lots of things. And defense is obvious. It's uh, not getting not getting punched in the face, not getting taken down, and then punched in the face. Uh, the most important one is of is of course uh, hitting your opponent while not being hit. It's it should be such an obvious thing, but so many fighters uh, neglect this area or develop it uh, not in tandem but separately, like. Their defense doesn't really go with their offense. Sometimes it's just uh, some sort of guard, and they think that having this sort of guard is just uh, the answer to everything. No, it's a mix, it's a mix of things. It starts with footwork. Distance is your first line of defense, and then your footwork and ability to take angles is your second line of defense. And the guard is just uh, it's uh, it's a bit of a last resort, blocking, you know, and head movement, especially preemptive head movement. It's a uh, 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 it's a big one. So, uh, basically, on the on those three fronts, Max Holloway thoroughly outclassed Calvin Cater because Calvin Cater has failed to answer some of the questions that are presented. Like, uh, one of the problems that Calvin Cater has is that he's a bit of a slow starter. Uh, you could argue that uh, uh, if you give Calvin Cater enough to work with, he could he could suddenly turn into a quick starter by just finding a counter and just finishing you straight up in the first couple in the first couple of rounds. But still, that's not him. Uh, it's not him generating his own reads or forcing his reads out of you in order to open up early. So his opponents have to give him something to work with. So like Calvin Cater always knows basically how he's going to win, but he never really forces it to happen. Like he's never decides on a direction into which the fight is going to go he's not really a pressure fighter because he's, he's already because again he sucks at pressuring and uh, on the back foot he's, uh, he has a really shitty tendency to just run backwards so what should he do well the answer is uh, by this system the answer should be that he should stay in the center and plant his feet and retaliate with counters whenever possible and like this, uh, this, but uh, he also never does that because he always concedes space for no reason. So he's out of options here. And so even then, he usually spends a lot of time trying to figure out what to do. And uh, so he's got really beautiful boxing mechanics. He's amazingly sound mechanically. He should be able to do all that. It's just that he's, uh, uh, he doesn't have a system of decision-making in his head. He's uh, really lacking in terms of how he thinks about fights, or how his, or at least his coaches don't think about fights in, the, in in those terms, which is just even more damning. And the real shame, because Calvin Cater is potentially, I still think he's potentially a championship level fighter. It's just that uh, he's uh, he's been essentially ruined by not having a process that uh, that uh, gets him to where he's at his strongest. He's not really proactive about it. I'm going to quote my article here. Uh, his process is backwards because his coach has never asked him the question of where uh, uh, he wants the fight to go, and consequently he never got to why he wants the fight to go there, and as a result his ringcraft is essentially non-existent, which in turn put a hard ceiling on the development of his, of his uh, footwork. 
And because his footwork, while it's mechanically sound, uh, uh, is constricted by his lack of ringcraft, we saw, we saw him get pieced up by Zabit Magomed Sharipov on the back foot for two and a half rounds because Calvin can, can't pressure, and then we saw him get pressure to defense himself by Jeremy Stevens of all fucking people, who's uh, a notoriously poor range, uh, poor cage cutter. What really does drives me nuts here is that a fighter as technically proficient as Kata must be able to do the, to do these things because based purely on his mechanics alone, because he, he essentially has all the tools, the basics are there, just doesn't use them efficiently because uh, either his coaches or Kata himself do not possess the wherewithal to make a conscious decision to commit to a game plan, or indeed to come up with a game plan ahead of time in the first place, which is something that every single camp must do, it's literally one of their main functions. Uh, and as a result, this constricts uh, what should have been a title challenger uh, to the status of a top five threat and nothing more. He's a, basically a, an elite gatekeeper at this point. Like, if you can beat Kater, that means you, sh you, you can fight for the title. If you can't, then uh, tough shit, I guess. It's a bit of an IQ test at this point. If you have the ringcraft and you have the ability to game plan around uh, your opponent's uh, uh, technical, like, uh, the strategic deficiencies, then you should be able to win. And Max Holloway is a, conversely, Max Holloway is a really weird one, in that, uh, he's so, he's, like, one of those things, one of those cases where he's so mechanically deep and so mechanically diverse, that he, basically, uh, this alone, his, uh, his technical proficiency alone props him up to the point where he's able to answer all these questions, all these strategic quote-unquote questions uh, on his own uh, without any sort of like uh, without any sort of broad strokes uh, big picture thinking involved but at his core he's still a very at his core he's still a product of the MMA matter an offensive dynamo with uh, a bit of a porous defense then that he, he has a really attribute-reliant game and those attributes being, once again, stamina, durability, uh, <laughs> insane insane coordination. Uh, like, people always talk about that uh, uh, Max Holloway is not really an athlete the caliber of, like, say, I don't know, uh, well, Jose Aldo, for example, in his prime. But uh, the thing is, or Jose Aldo, or like Justin Gagey, or Habib, or well, the most extreme example, Yo Romero. But the thing about athleticism is, it's not just explosiveness. No, it's not just speed. It's not just pure, pure raw power. Because, for example, Greg Hardy is allegedly an athlete, and he that is very explosive and has enormous punching power. But uh, look, look at his last fight. <laughs> Uh, insane durability and insane stamina and ability to push the pace it, it, it's also it also falls under the purview of uh, uh, of athleticism like uh, people always talk about uh, uh, insane athletes uh, pushing past uh, their technical deficiencies by banking on their physicality which is also a sort of a, an adjustment in its own right only if it's but provided it's only used intelligently and most of the time, Max is able to leverage that physicality intelligently, uh, to his credit. Because <laughs> uh, I have a pet theory that one of the reasons uh, he's so good is that he just never gets tired, and thus he is able to 
drill different uh, various like weird techniques for days on end and his normal techniques as well naturally and that he's uh, such a he has such a mind for fighting that uh, when you look back at the second Volkanovsky fight where he allegedly had no fight camp uh, that he probably basically just played as himself in UFC 3 and developed developed his game plan by doing that by looking oh my character can kick that means I can kick I'm gonna kick now. <laughs> so this is uh, the groundwork of why the, the fight went the way it went. And uh, to give you some context. So like uh, Max excels at, uh, with regards to Ringcraft, Max excels at, uh, at forcing his opponents uh, back and uh, keeping their back uh, turned towards the fence and, or like uh, taking the center of the octagon or like staying out in the open and uh, trading there. He's uh, good at both. So he already has Kata beat in those respects. He also doesn't have the habit of uh, uh, of running backwards whenever you connect with something big or like connect period, unlike Kata. Well, uh, which is, uh, I mean, you can force Max backwards, but he's not uh, going to concede space that easily. If you can, if you connect with him, he's going to retaliate. And Dustin Poirier just simply didn't give him the opportunity to retaliate for large stretches of the fight because he just kept on loading on him with bombs. Uh, Max, uh, Max's uh, reflexes with, uh, when it comes to his defenses are a bit better. He has some head movement, but he doesn't really do a preemptive. Doesn't really do preemptive head movement. He, he did some of it uh, against Kato. He did. Uh, turn his shoulders up uh, to avoid the cross-counter, which still Keita managed to connect with a bunch of times. And uh, But in the pocket, he didn't really like uh, preemptively duck and bob and weave, weave all that much. His defense, most of his defensive motions came off the feint. Uh, like, he would feint Keita out. Keita would try and come back with something. And uh, because Max already feinted that uh, reaction out, he expected what, what what was going to come, and he managed to avoid that, and that was really great. So I'm not saying that Max is really like a defensive void, it's just that uh, in prolonged exchanges, uh, he has a weird, like, uh, he's weirdly vulnerable in prolonged exchanges, even though that's where, he's, uh, that's where he makes his bread and butter. Like a particularly funny moment was when he was unloading with uh, he was in the midst of unloading with uh, another like a uh, like a 600 punch combination against Kata and Kata uh while getting beat up managed to uh with his back against the cage he managed to throw uh like a <laughs> like a two dozen elbows in retaliation and all of them connected <laughs> it's just that it it's done re- literally nothing against Max because the man has the man's chin is absurd. Uh, th- that's what bails him out most of the time in these prolonged exchanges. I mean, at this point we really should just I, I think there should be a petition to ban fighters from punching Max Holloway in the face. I mean, it's just it's pointless anyway. <laughs> so yeah, I hope um uh, all my ramblings has uh, didn't manage to uh, didn't muddle my point too hard because my initial point was that uh, all this uh, I was laying all this groundwork uh, to state that the reason why people were giving Kater a shot is that uh, he had a he has a real clear route to victory. It's just that uh, in order to exploit this route, he had to plan accordingly. 
and pick an approach that would let him get into the pocket with Max and prolong exchange prolong exchanges uh, until the point where he's able to land with power. That's uh, it's really it's very rare in MMA for a fighter to come in with uh, pre-prepared adjustments and a clear approach to fighting a certain uh, to fight a clear approach to fighting his opponent, their opponent. And by that I mean fighting to their strengths in order to exploit their opponent's weaknesses in a clear in a clearly defined way. And in this case, uh, I mean, uh, based on Kato's previous outings, it was a bit a bit of a stretch to expect him to do that because you can't really expect a fighter to show something that he's never shown in any of their previous fights. It's kind of like uh, expecting Francis Ngannou to become a, some some kind of a boxing wizard. <laughs> so really, the uh, most Kato picks and most uh, expectations about Kato uh, having lots of success were mostly to do with uh, uh, expecting Max to fight. Uh, it's somewhat dumb, or at least, uh, or at least based out of some kind of concern that Max is. Uh, on a downward downward slope, which is something that Max uh, is determined to continue proving wrong time and again. But, it, you know, it's one of those things that you can continue proving wrong until you no longer can't. <laughs> That's just how it works, especially with, uh, with a style like Max's, because uh, even though Max was able to land uh, triple the amount of strikes uh, than Kata, but Kata still connected. That That's still a lot of strikes. <laughs> It has more to do with uh, the fact that it tells you more about the other fighter than about Max. Whenever they like, like whenever you make Max look like a defensive wizard, that tells me more alarming things about you than it tells me more good things about Max. I mean, that, that, that just that, that that's just how it is. The way Max uh, started showboating and uh, no looking uh, Kato was cool, though. That that was really fun. <laughs> that's why we love Max. He's uh, always guaranteed entertainment. But yeah, uh, Max unloading on Kato with 50 punch combinations and Kato managing to retaliate with counters and land uh, only for it to do absolutely nothing was a real dame dane moment. (laughs) Uh, There there were a bunch of uh, really clever things that Max uh, did uh, to nullify Kato's, uh, uh, well, not really advantages, but uh, Kato's strengths, namely his jab and, uh, uh, well... To nullify his hands, really, was that uh, he would constantly feint up and down, uh, come in with a faked kick in order to land with punches. He would pair up the rear leg strikes with his rear hand strikes. Like he would, uh, he he used the uh, rear leg kick to the knee really extensively in the fight, and he would uh, use it in tandem with his uh, with a like a he would fake a rear leg kick and uh, come in with a uh, lead right hand. That was really, that was a really cool look. And he would uh, use it to shift and switch stances on the fly and uh, set up more combinations. That's really that's one of Max's uh, great strengths: his ability to smoothly come, uh, smoothly go uh, in, go from orthodox to southpaw and vice versa to set up uh, more offensive opportunities. That was really great. Went to the body from the get-go really often and really hard. Didn't 
didn't uh, only use his uh, punches, but also his knees. He would come over the top with elbows whenever uh, Keita went to the cover-up. He really milked Keita's basic double forearms guards to, for all it's worth. Like, uh, If you want a case study uh, on how to exploit your opponent's uh, high guard whenever he has a static high guard that he's not really doing anything substantial with, that's what you do. That you come... One of the really interesting looks that he's shown was that uh, he would uh, uh, he would grip uh, Keita's hands and come over the top with elbows, and that's what caused the uh, what's what's caused the cut early on. It's not uh, like uh, big news for anyone who follows Muay Thai for any like, for any significant extent, but uh, I I really hope uh, that uh, I just think that more fighters in MMA should use it. I mean, offensively, it was basically a masterclass. Offensively, it's a, it's one of those fights. Max is one of those fighters that you can study for when you need ideas on how to uh, how to set up your offense. He's one of the he's uh, the best in the world at it, basically. Like uh, the thing about this sidekick that was really interesting as well is that uh, most of the time people use the lead leg sidekick to the knee, but uh, in this case. Uh, uh, Max decided to mix it up in order to set up his uh, lead right hand by by doing it with the rear leg. And it's something that's... Uh, 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 this is the sort of sidekick that GSP used to do a lot. But uh, he would do this to the body instead of the knee. And uh, doing it to the knee uh, really messed with, uh, messed with Keita's rhythm on his jab. Didn't really let him to step in, which is something that he really likes doing because he... Uh, Keita has a tendency of stepping in deep with his jabs, which is something that uh, Hinato Maikano, of course, exploited with his uh, with his uh, performance against uh, Keita. Where he would uh, bait Keita's jabs with uh, throwaway shots and then punish the step in with the lead, uh, with, with the leg kick. Uh, Max didn't really go to the leg kicks as much, but uh, he didn't really go for the round leg kicks as much. But uh, what he did with the rear leg side kick served. Uh, more to emphasize his own boxing rather than rather than just work on its own, which was really interesting. Keita has tried uh, some leg kicks of of his own, but uh, most of them were while he was stumbling backwards on one in just on one leg and uh, covered up. So really, they were mostly just uh, tr- attempting those. Mostly, let uh, uh, Max just to just unload on him further. And push him backwards even farther. Max would uh, feint with his jab up and down, uh, come over the come over the top with right hands. Uh, come with one of the interesting looks was that he would uh, feint the rear, feint the right straight to the body, and uh, instead uh, not even come over the top. Just uh, he would feint uh, to the body and then come with the right straight to the head without really coming over the top like with an overhand that was really that was a fun look not but not much power on it but still it's a it's a connection and with the uh, max style it uh, pairs up really well with, with all his other with all his other tools but yeah one of the most of the uh, all the same vulnerabilities were still there I mean, as I've said, and not to be like a killjoy here, but uh, I saw many people going like, oh, this Max uh, certainly beat up Volkanovski, or this Max is uh, is going to beat up uh, Dustin Poirier, Conor McGregor, Gagey, Khabib, whatever. Everyone. 
best fighter that's ever lived on this planet in the history of humanity, in the history of uh, the universe. And just, uh, as always, I just want people to dial it down a notch. <laughs> I mean, it's it was a really impressive performance, but once again, it was just Max coming back to what uh, made him Max in the first place. And it's amazing to watch, and it's really great, but uh, it's still the same Max. It's uh, just, it's vintage Max, with all the baggage that one entails. Just uh, basically exploiting all of the... Uh, uh, tactical and technical and strategic deficiencies that uh, Calvin Cater possesses. Coming in behind kicks in order to land punches was a bit of a it was a more of a Muay Thai Max look than a boxing Max look, but his, it was still a very boxing heavy performance. Not the one that would give uh, not the one that I reckon would give Volkanovski any more trouble than uh, than his previous outing. He still he still stands really upright and square. Uh, he, not much in the way of preemptive head movement, but I mean, uh, no fighter is perfect. Everyone has their vulnerabilities, and uh, I don't want to shit all over the, what is one of the one of the uh, one of the performances in Max's career that I'm always going to look back uh, with fondness. Always uh, look back on with fondness, and uh, yeah, one of the oh, <laughs> there was also one real neat moment uh, in the fight that just kind of quintessential Max. Like he he from from southpaw he did the one one two into the uh, rear leg high kick that uh, wobbled Cater. <laughs> it was just pure Robert Whittaker. I mean, uh, it's just Max. He would see something cool, he would see a, a cool offensive option, uh, and he would take it. He's just precisely the kind of fighter that uh, you can always expect to come in with uh, some sort of like uh, interesting look at least. He's not one of those fighters that go over and over again for the same tools over and over again. He's an incredibly diverse fighter, and he always like develops a certain degree of depth around any sort of tools tool that he uses. They always bl- uh, flow well together and blend well together. They never they never take away from him. And like uh, uh, very often the case with certain other fighters, like whenever they whenever a fighter, for example, adds a wheel kick to his game that really has that makes no sense with the kind of style that they want to use. <laughs> you don't get that with Max. It's always all it's always incredibly organic the things he does. They're incredibly organic. 100% organic, gluten-free, all natural, no MSG Max Holloway. <laughs> uh, and again, in case you forgot, uh like uh, this was a bit of a throwback to the Ortega fight. And uh, well, in that it was, uh, I mean, it was basically kind of uh, Max topping the Ortega performance, except that Calvin Cater turned out to be even tougher than uh, than Brian Ortega, which is honestly just just shocking. Honestly, thought that the fight should have been stopped. Uh, started thinking that the fight should be stopped whenever when uh, Max uh, wobbled Calvin and started unloading on him with elbows and strikes that body. Uh, but then, just they were uh, in between rounds. They wiped uh, the blood of uh, Calvin, and he looked fine. <laughs> Didn't really look any different. If anything, Max looked sort of like uh, like he was on the verge of starting to maybe uh, maybe get he maybe started getting tired a little, even especially like uh, when he started showboating at the end. 
while it was really fun and impressive, uh, one thing I find about this stuff is that uh, whenever a fighter has a really dominant performance, and uh, by the end uh, he start like he's he's thrown everything but the kitchen sink at the other guy, and in the end there's really like no argument about who won this fight, and uh, they're starting to get tired and maybe a, li a little worried about their gas tank. They start showboating. That's uh, <laughs> it struck me as one of those things. So lots of that stuff in boxing, not so much in MMA. Which is uh, only one of the other ways that uh, Max Holloway reminds me, reminds me of certain old-timey boxers beyond his, uh, beyond the things that he does, like for example the drop shifts into body shots, uh, body shots, which is a really like, really old boxing staple that I, you don't see very much these days, and I sincerely hope that you, um, that we, and I wish it, it would come back. Uh, I suppose if it exists in MMA, that's uh, good enough for me. Yeah, and the thing about uh, well, I've said that Max doesn't show much and didn't show much in the in the way of preemptive head movement. He did show some of it. It's just that he it was weirdly sporadic. Like uh, at certain points, Max would just forget about his preemptive defense and start just wailing on on Kater while getting punched himself. Granted, that did nothing, but still. That's still unnecessary damage I would much rather Max avoided taking in the coming years. Because he's not getting any younger, you know. I'd rather not end up with one of... Uh, uh, one of... Well, essentially one of my idols. One of... Uh, one of generational talents of all time in MMA ending up with, uh, like... With any sort of disability, I guess, after they retire. That's what was... Uh, uh, cause for concern for me coming into this fight that's uh, that he would look really good but he'd get hit a bunch that's what was that was the main concern was long term Max's long term career and long term health not this fight necessarily so I'm kind of like really glad that uh, Max Holloway is still Max Holloway and had this uh, uh, vintage performance but uh, I'm still kind of mad that he had to take a bunch of a bunch of hits to the head uh, while doing that it was still a step back in terms of uh, quality of competition, but uh, not the sort of step back that uh, I would consider safe. I mean, uh, I guess to a lot of people this would sound like me being some kind of downer just for the sake of it, or being contrarian. But about what is uh, uh, an obviously, an extremely, really, really, really good performance. It's just that I, I already know that Max is good. <laughs> I mean, I guess some people need, needed uh, some some kind of a reminder, but I didn't. And people are going on about like how skill be beats power ten times out of ten. Oh, skill beats power, and like yeah, it does. But but you know, it's still fucking power. If and if the guy knows how to use his power correctly, you're fucked. Case in point, look back at uh, Tony Ferguson versus Justin Gagey and what he what Justin Gagey did with his power. Uh, maybe people should dial it back a notch, you know. Just come down. I mean, that's why I'm here. That's uh, that's my role at the fight site. Uh, it's not to be a downer or to be any sort of like a, a cynical presence, because purely on the basis of that, um, I live in Siberia and people here are really grim. <laughs> I just like nuance. I like nuanced discussions. I'm not the sort of person to like start yelling about how Kato is the best pure boxer at uh, 145 after he finishes some guy in an empathetic, empath 
I'm not gonna yell that uh, Calvin Keita is uh, like uh, one of the best fights, one of the best boxers in MMA ever, just because he knocked some guy out, and then and then starts like uh, and be all smug about uh, and be all smug when uh, Max Holloway just uh, styles on him for five rounds, thus proving that uh, he's the best boxer at 145 or whatever. Like. Uh, you have to know the fighter's ceilings. You have to, and you have to take it into account whenever you talk about fighter. You have to talk, take into account uh, the intricacies of their styles and how they're going to play off each other in order to like make non-insane statements without just going to the level shit or or never stood a chance or couldn't hold a candle to. Like in broad strokes, uh, with certain fighters, it's true. But most of the time, things are a, a little bit more complicated than than they may seem. Like with Kato, we just learned that uh, we, we've just learned his ceiling. He's uh, he's a pr- a pretty basic kind of fighter. Like uh, he's like he's insanely durable. He he has some power, but uh, he's not uh, he's not really diverse. He's not really all that versatile. Well, well, di- not diverse in terms of how like oh that he doesn't do wheel kicks or something like it's just that he's not really versatile in the sense that he can use his uh his uh, best tools in, against a variety of different opponents he's going to look extremely good in fights that he knows how to navigate and he's going to get blown out the water against fighters that know how to exploit his uh limitations that that's all always going to be a top five threat and uh, Max uh, came in with certain, like, uh, with certain really cool technical looks, uh, certain offensive looks that uh, were really cool. And uh, he clearly, he clearly thought about uh, how he's going to uh, limit uh, Kater even more, or how, or at least how he's going to exploit his weaknesses, or or at least, or at least bank on his strengths in a in a in a non horrible way. No, it wasn't like he reinvented himself or anything. It was just basically... It was really a back-to-basics approach for Max. So the real questions here going forward are... Uh, what sort of uh, adjustments Max is going to come... Uh, with what sort of adjustments Max is going to come into the uh, the next... Uh, at this point, almost inevitable Volkanovski rematch. Another rematch. And if uh, and Volkanovski is essentially guaranteed to make certain strategic adjustments, uh, that's what makes this fight interesting. And uh, what's interesting is how Max is going to react to Volkanovski's adjustments. And this doesn't really tell us anything about that. It was a bit of a breather episode, if anything. Like uh, you know, in anime, in in anime, you sometimes uh, get these episodes that's just uh, our characters hanging out at an at an onsen or a beach. Just an opportunity for some fan service, the opportunity to see uh, our characters in various states of undress, titillating scenes, some sex humor. Maybe that, uh, maybe that side character that's really cute, that uh, never shows a lot of skin, that's, uh, that wears glasses all the time and dresses modestly, is going to uh, slap on a really skimpy bikini, just, just because, you know. <laughs> that's what this fight was. For me, at least, we saw some, we saw some titillating Max action, and that was really great in its own right. It was sexy, 
while it lasted. It was really funny. It was uh, it was at times really funny. Maybe it it had some interesting like character moments, some uh, interesting character study. Mostly just pure mindless fun, and it's fine for what it is. But it's time to get back to the main plot. Uh, I've had my fun. I've had uh, quite a bit, quite a lot of fun, in fact. And we thoroughly needed this break, this breather, in order to uh, unwind a little, maybe uh, recontextualize some of the things that we've learned about the fighters earlier, about the characters. <laughs> we've learned what uh, Kater's, uh, uh, what size Kater's boobs really are. <laughs> Uh, and it's time now. It's time to uh, to uh, see how the events are going to unravel, how they're going to unfold going forward. <laughs> and this is where the uh, sort of like a bit of a foreboding, like uh, maybe kind of somber, maybe kind of like uh, melancholically optimistic song starts playing. That's uh, that's uh, supposed to contrast with the upbeat and upbeat and energetic opening theme of the series where the characters are running and such like where you see the characters doing cool shit and, and this uh, instead it's uh, just Max and his son uh, just quietly walking uh, at, at night on the beach there's a party winding down somewhere in the distance and uh, Max just turns his gaze upwards and looks at the moon says something profound like, like man I wish I wish the server system went back to competitive gaming <laughs> this matchmaking sucks this matchmaking sucks almost as bad as the ufc matchmaking <laughs> throwing me into the sharks uh, when i'm level four <laughs> i don't know speaking of just how how uh what kind of asshole doesn't warn max holloway that fans are allowed to be in attendance like apparently he, apparently he had a really like a tearful, a heartbreaking uh, uh, farewell with his son before flying off to the uh, United Arab Emirates, and that uh, like, and that Rush was really bummed that he couldn't uh, attend the fight, and then mid-flight it turned out that he that he could. I mean, come on, let the kid just w watch his dad fight. It's uh, one of the. It was such an amazing performance by Max, and his son couldn't be there to watch it. Criminal. Absolutely criminal. Alright, uh, I suppose this has gone on for long enough. Uh, I wanted to do a bit of a quick and dirty post-fight breakdown. That's, uh, I expected it to be a bit rambly, but maybe not this rambly. <laughs> so if you want me to go back to my uh, to a bit more organized approach i suppose you can let me know in the comments or maybe in the the, the patrons who are listening to this and uh, currently in the discourse may let me know in the discourse i'm planning on making another bonus episode that's uh, going to be uh well i was planning on making a bit of a comeback episode that was uh that, that uh concerned the things concerned things like writer's block and uh, uh feeling burnt out how to deal with that or how to how to maintain your interest in your hobby when uh, there's nothing interesting going on for you. Uh, do a bit of a, like a mailbag episode, like episode 3. I haven't done one of those in a while. Well, I haven't done any episodes in a long while, but uh, I mean, that's beside the point. You get what I mean. 
And then this fight happened, and it sort of like really energized my brain, and I really wanted to talk about it. And uh, I've only just watched the fight because for us, uh, I currently uh, I'm uh, in the GMT plus eight time zone, which is uh, the same time zone as Ulan uh, Bator and uh, Beijing and all that. Basically, Asia, you know, East Asia. So that meant the fight was uh, the main event started at like seven a.m. for me, and I slept through it all, and I woke up. The moment I woke up, I just uh, ran towards my computer and uh, watched the fight as soon as it was av available online, and decided to do this uh, uh, to record this one as quickly as possible before, while uh, uh, the memory is still fresh. Expect uh, a follow-up episode somewhere uh, like sometime next week, and naturally, as always, uh, all my colleagues at the fight site are going to uh, make uh, various post-fight breakdowns, maybe an article, maybe a video. Uh, a discussion panel as well. Look forward to that. I don't know if I'm going to be on there. I think I've I've said plenty of things here, but maybe for the sake of a discussion, I'm going to mule it over and uh, come to a decision. Really feels good to come back. <laughs> I also got myself a new mic, in case you hadn't noticed. Still trying to fiddle with the, the various settings and uh, trying to figure out my body language and my like setup in order for, for it to not sound either too loud or too quiet or like in any way kind of subpar. Expecting expecting this new purchase to make the editing and recording process a lot easier. So I think I'm going to uh, have a going to have less trouble making these episodes and uh, as a result hopefully make more of these uh, if you got any questions or any uh, observations or if you like uh, disagree in any uh, in any interesting and constructive way you feel free to uh, post a comment or uh, or like uh, fi or find me on twitter at uh, changoscan03 <laughs> and yell at me there <laughs> Uh, check out our Patreon, uh, where you can join our Discord and uh, where you can uh, address me directly and ask me questions directly in the Tangredome sub-channel. Uh, uh, well, it's it's, uh, it's like, think of it as a guarantee that I'm going to look at your question and uh, answer it some t if I'm going to make another, while well, making another episode. Uh, who knows, maybe your, uh, your question will turn out to be interesting enough that I'm that I'll feel compelled to record in another ep uh, a whole episode dedicated to answering your question uh, as in depth as possible. So anyway, uh, <sighs> I back. <laughs> Trust me, I back. See you next week. I think Max Holloway should change his nickname to possessed that would rule <laughs>